Hello, this is Allison Carter, Occupational Therapist with the Milestones Podcast. This is episode 103. My original plan for this episode was to talk about the relationship between vestibular sensory processing and speech and language skills, but I have decided to push that topic off to a later date and switch my focus to the changing seasons. No, I'm not going to just sit around here and talk about the weather. I am going to talk about how the weather affects some of our sensory kiddos. Before I get into this, though, let me remind you that you can support this show by doing a couple of different things. One of them is by purchasing CEUs of this show on my website at mymidwesttherapy.com. Not only does that help me out, but you also get the benefit of completing some of your license requirements. Look for the yellow Add to Cart buttons under specific episodes. Please understand that I can't do this for every episode because some of them are just based on my humble opinion, rather than matters of proven fact. In those cases, I can't justify giving out CEUs for that, although I do wish that my opinion was that powerful. You can also help by doing your online shopping using one of the Amazon links on my website. Trust the links. Any of them that say Amazon will work. The code is embedded in the link to give me the credit for your purchases. And finally, become a Patreon member and you will receive additional member-only benefits by joining. You can click the Patreon button on my website or just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com and search Milestones Podcast. Speaking of joining, I would like to take this moment to say thank you so much to Raquel for becoming a member on Patreon. I really appreciate you supporting me in keeping this podcast running. And I also had the pleasure of speaking with Raquel personally, so that was really great also. Let me tell you that just about the time I begin to fall behind with this podcast, I get a new member on Patreon or simply receive an email from a listener who wants to let me know that they are out there in this world driving around listening to my lovely voice over their car speakers. These things honestly do keep me motivated to get another episode out ASAP, which still usually doesn't happen as quickly as I would like for it to. So getting back to talking about the weather, well, what I'm actually getting at is how the changing seasons can affect kids especially kids who have tactile sensitivities and kids who avoid tactile sensations. I'm not talking about seasonal affective disorder. It's pretty simple when you think about it, but not everyone thinks about it. Today, I want to bring awareness to it so you are all thinking about it now. Not just right now, but anytime there's a change in seasons and weather where you live. Here in Kansas, we are preparing for the warmer weather to change to cooler weather for our fall season. Depending on where you live, it could be completely the opposite of that. Either way, it doesn't matter. The concept is essentially the same. When we change from our warmer weather clothing, which is often shorts, t-shirts, flip-flops, to long sleeves, jackets, pants, and shoes, there is a potential to see an increase in quote-unquote behaviors in kids with sensory issues. 
The same goes for the opposite when we go from long sleeves and pants to t-shirts and shorts. It is not uncommon to see an increase in what looks like behaviors, but in reality may be a reaction due to the changes in the temperatures because they're wearing different clothing. To be more specific, kids with tactile sensitivities may find it difficult to switch from short sleeves to long sleeves because when they are wearing the long sleeves, now they are constantly being stimulated on their arms by the sleeves. Whereas before the sleeves were short and they may have been able to tolerate those since most of their arm is left untouched by the shirt. This is the same concept for their legs and feet with the pants and shoes. Picture these kids being ones that prefer to run around at their house without their clothes on. Every time you come by to see them, they are nothing but a diaper, which is sometimes surprising to me that they will leave those on as much as they do. However, it can also be the opposite, where the child has tactile sensitivities, and over the warmer months, they have been able to get used to wearing the shorts, but in reality, they really prefer to wear long sleeves that protect their arms and legs from being touched by random objects or people in their environment. In this case, you may actually see an improvement in their quote-unquote behavior because they are feeling much more comfortable in these types of clothes. These might be kiddos that like to wear their winter snow boots during the summer and refuse to wear any other shoes, especially sandals or flip-flops. In either case, you may have kids who fight to get dressed and then again fight to get undressed. The action of the clothes sliding over their skin can be terribly obnoxious to kids with tactile sensitivities. Once the action is completed, they may still feel overstimulated for a period of time before the irritated feeling subsides. This may be a good time to talk with the parents and caregivers about sensory brushing. If the tactile sensitivities are already known, they most likely already have a sensory brush. If not, it would be a good time to try one. If they already have one, you may want to recommend they try using the brushing protocol and joint compressions before each time they start the dressing routine. Using the brush at this time may help desensitize their body and skin enough to tolerate the movement of the clothing, especially on their arms, legs, and feet. This strategy is more of a preventative one rather than waiting until the child is upset by changing clothes and then trying to brush them. If you do the brushing before dressing, they are more likely to tolerate it. Once they are upset, trying the brush may only make them even more upset. If you try the brush before dressing or have tried it other times and they are resistant to it, then you need to try something else. Other types of deep pressure may work, for example, squishing them between couch cushions, wheelbarrow walking, rolling them up like a tortilla in a blanket, lotion massage, or playing in a sensory box with dried beans. For some examples, there are so many more. Think about things that will get some deep pressure on their body, and especially on their arms, legs, and feet. These activities may be helpful to do before and after getting them dressed. A final comment about this, but specifically when going from cold temperature to warmer, long sleeves to short, think about the wind. This may seem random, but there are people with tactile sensitivities 
that have a very hard time dealing with the way the wind feels when it blows against their skin. These are sometimes the kiddos that prefer to wear a jacket or any long sleeve shirts during the warm months, especially when they go outside. This can be difficult to figure out, but is often more obvious, of course, on very windy days. They may seem more overstimulated than usual or want to go inside or stay in the car rather than go outside and play at the park. Of course, some kids are the opposite where they prefer to have shorts and short sleeve t-shirts on all year long because they don't like the way the long sleeves and pants feel against their skin all day long. For kids with tactile sensory processing sensitivities, potentially every time they move their arm or leg, their skin is being stimulated by the clothing moving and touching them. These kiddos may be unable to habituate to the feeling. So essentially their brain does not block out or ignore this sensation after a bit of time. It continues to pay attention to the feeling of the clothing over and over again all day long. This can be very not only physically annoying for the child, but also highly distracting and overstimulating for them. Their brain continues to focus on the tactile sensation constantly, so it can make it very difficult for them to think about anything else. You may see them being extra restless or falling down and bumping into things a lot more than usual. It may feel like they literally have ants in their pants or like they are wearing what many people consider just annoying, itchy wool clothing. When in reality, it may be the softest cotton long sleeve shirt you ever saw. Again, brushing protocol with joint compressions may help with this. It may also take additional strategies, such as trying different types of clothing materials, tighter fitting sleeves or pants that don't slide around on their arms and legs, or maybe wearing a compression garment under their clothing for some additional deep pressure as a calming strategy. You may see this type of thing with kiddos who don't like to have their sleeves rolled up. So maybe they're okay with having the long sleeves on, but sliding the sleeves up along their arm to push them up away from their hands is too stimulating. Or maybe they are able to get used to having the long sleeves on, but changing from having their arm covered up to having the sleeve pushed up and their arm exposed is too difficult for them to handle. And it takes time to readjust every time you do that with them. So they would just prefer not to go through it again and either leave them up or leave them down. So these are just some thoughts on clothing and tactile sensory processing as the seasons change and clothing changes throughout the year. I know there are many other examples and ways of looking at this. If you have any thoughts, please feel free to email them to me and I will share them with everyone on the next episode. You can email me at allison at mymidwesttherapy.com. I want to switch gears now and talk about a research study called Sensory Features of Toddlers at Risk for Autism Spectrum Disorder. The study report was published in 2016 in the American Journal of Occupational Therapy. The study included 46 toddlers ages 12 to 24 months. Six of these were toddlers that were considered to be at risk for having autism, specifically because they have a sibling that is diagnosed with autism, 
or the toddler was born prematurely. Of the 46 toddlers, here is the breakdown. Two were kids that had siblings who were diagnosed with autism. Four of them were born before 37 weeks gestation. And the rest of the 40 kids were born full term and without a sibling diagnosed with autism. Other criteria for being in this study were that the kids passed their newborn hearing screening. And it also includes, or excuse me, excludes kids who had a non-autism diagnosis, such as spina bifida, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, etc. The purpose of the study was to determine a relationship between sensory features and the emergence of early autism spectrum disorder signs. The children were brought in to the research lab where three clinical assessments were completed in one visit. The parents completed the infant and toddler sensory profile. If a child scored in the less than others range, the researchers considered this to be clinically important because it indicates hyperreactive responses to stimuli. The second assessment used was the Autism Detection in Early Childhood, or the ADEC. This is a standardized observational measure that was used to determine the presence or absence of early signs of autism spectrum disorder. The ADEC specifically looks at pre-verbal behaviors, for example, response to name, functional play, eye contact, and imitation. A higher score on this measure indicates a higher presence of early signs of autism. And finally, they used the Bailey Scales of Infant and Toddler Development, which is also a standardized observational assessment that looks at general development in toddlers in the areas of cognition, expressive and receptive communication, and fine and gross motor skills. Using statistical analysis that is above my head, they determined correlations between sensory processing, autism spectrum disorder risk factors, and development. The toddlers in the study were considered sensory reactive if they scored below the norm with focus specifically in auditory and vestibular sensory processing areas. Sensory reactivity basically is a person's ability to modulate the intensity of a response to a stimulus. This can be hypo or hyper. So a person can have a seriously low intensity response where they practically don't even respond at all to the other end where they hyper respond or respond very intensely to a stimulus. For this study, toddlers were hyperreactive to auditory and vestibular stimuli. I also might describe that as they are very sensitive to stimuli in those areas. Toddlers who scored in the sensory reactive range had less mature language abilities at 12 to 24 months of age. Of age. They determined a moderate but significant correlation between oral sensory processing, and the ADEC scores. Remember, the ADEC is the assessment that looks for early signs of autism. So there is a correlation between 
oral sensory processing, and early signs of autism. This is not a surprise to me and probably not to you either, considering feeding and speech and language are common difficulties that we see every day with kids that we know who have autism. The study also correlated higher cognitive function scores with typical sensory processing in the oral and auditory areas. It was also determined that the toddlers who had more mature language abilities had less sensory processing difficulties. There was no association found between sensory features and fine motor or gross motor scores. I like this study because even though it has a small sample size, they used what I would consider to be typical or just regular everyday assessments. I'm not actually familiar with the ADEC one, but the other two I've used, and they are pretty common. It also confirms some of the patterns that I often see in toddlers that I work with who have autism or that I suspect will be diagnosed with autism at some point. Those patterns are auditory, vestibular, and oral sensory processing difficulties. And they also have immature language abilities or translated, they have more language delays. I'm going to end there for today. You can find a link to the study report on my website as well as any other links for this episode. Thank you for listening and have a great day.